going on, guys and girls? How y'all feeling? Welcome to this edition of Sideline Guys. You may know this voice pretty well. Pretty familiar guy. You know, a man by the name of Dwayne from the Life's a Botch podcast. Well, I've been selected to host Sideline Guys. And as you know, we got a really, really dope episode. There was a nice little uh, documentary on, you know, recently, uh, the first couple of episodes. And I think you guys know, you know, a certain guy, most viewers, one of the goats of uh, the NBA, you know, MJ, and a certain team by the name of Chicago Bulls. Yeah, yeah, that 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 right there. So I got two dope gentlemen in the house, a guy you guys already know very, very well, by the name of Derek Myers. And, of course, we got our man What's Parker in the building. What's going on, guys? Okay, Skip Bayless. And let me correct you right off the bat. Not one <laughs> not one of the goats. The goat, bro. I don't want to oh. I don't want to hear none of LeBron bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, we we got to do that for the sensitive ones out there, you uh, know what I mean? There's because a lot of them. It's there's a lot, a lot of, of sensitive guys, you know, that that will go all day. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we ain't going to name nobody, but you know, we, y'all know how I mean, we do. We might. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, fellas. Welcome to the show. Without further ado, let's 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 go ahead and get right into it. So, my first question overall for you guys in general, what were your thoughts on just both of these first two episodes? Straight up. Derek, take the stage, brother. Oh, man. I um you know what? Com- to be completely honest, um I think you and I talked about this about this before, Dwayne. Um, I didn't grow up and actually watch Michael Jordan. I had to go back and watch his prime years because by the time I got into basketball, I think he was already uh, in like on the Wizards um, when I really got to sit down and actually start watching games. So going back and watching his prime years has always been something that that I love doing. Um, I didn't know the storylines that were going on with the Bulls at that time. So I think that's um, The Last Dance. This this um, this documentary really shed a lot of light on what was actually going on during that, that, that final year, which is very interesting. And really, really uh, before that too. So I, cause I didn't, I understood the, the rift that, um, um, what's, what's the uh, GM's name again? Jerry Krause. Yeah. Krause, yeah. I understand. I, I knew about him, uh, and 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 you know there were issues with him and 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 the team, but I didn't know it was like this. So that that's what I found to be very very interesting. That and, and Scottie Pippen's contract. <laughs> yeah, I will say after reading some stuff after the Scottie Pippen thing, we can get into that. But I I mean to play off Derek, I'm a young guy. You know, I was born. I mean, when essentially this. I mean. I was born during this the second three P and when this stuff was coming to an end. So like I never got to see Michael play. Obviously growing up as a big basketball fan, my dad played college basketball. My dad dad's six foot seven and so his life revolved around basketball. I mean, so I mean everything I did growing up, it was basketball. And my dad was always, you know, it's kinda like, you know, you take I know a lot of people take after their parents' views and my dad always told me, I don't care who comes, Michael Jordan's the GOAT. I just plain and simple because because my dad, we are the most competitive family, and my dad always taught me it doesn't matter when you're playing, who you're playing, how you're playing. If you're playing a game, you play to beat someone's ass, and that's just how it is. And that's just how I was raised. So my yeah. dad, of course, loved Kobe as well. But I remember my dad telling me growing up, 
um, when I first started really getting into basketball, of course, I started watching Kobe O'Brien a lot and um, and those Lakers teams and, and their matches with, you know, the Celtics and all this stuff. And my dad, I used to say, Dad, Kobe, man, that's the best player I've ever seen. My dad goes, you like Kobe? And I said, yeah. He goes, Michael Jordan was Kobe, but 10 times better. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, and some people will argue against that and some won't, but, but that's just, so I just grew up believing, you know, hey, you know, Michael's the GOAT. And obviously I'd watch some of his film and stuff like that, but didn't really know what was going on, especially, you know, and, and this, the first two I actually, so um, don't know if anyone out there listens to the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts, but I listened to them every single day and they had had the guy, the director who did the interviews and they were talking about all kinds of stuff. And I know a lot of these ESPN guys have been able to see the whole 10 episodes and, mm-hmm. um, and they were saying, if, if you, if you thought the first two episodes were, were great, then get ready. Cause those were the most boring. And I was like, wow. So really? yeah. Yeah, they're like they're just setting up the foundation. You wait. So, but and and I thought it was cool. Obviously, playing off of yeah, I mean, like I didn't get to see this stuff growing up. So just being able to see kind of inside. But the funny thing was, is the first thing I thought of when all this stuff was going on is, is, man, can you imagine if social media was was going on back in the day? I mean, number one, that team would have never been able to last, most likely. Number two, I mean. Who knows? I mean, I know people were aware of the Jerry Cross situation, stuff like that. But I mean, just think if they had Twitter back in the day, that man, Jerry Krause would be like James Dolan times 20. Like, you know, like, so, yeah. so it's like, it's like, like people would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're breaking up the best team in NBA history. So that's just some of yeah. the thoughts I had, obviously, as a, as a millennial, just thinking, you know, I've always been a Michael Jordan, the goat, Michael Jordan's the goat stand. And just cause of my, how my dad raised me. And just, I always, I always favor mentality over anything, but, um, but yeah, it was cool to see the inside of it. And, uh, but that was, I know I kind of went a little deep dive. I'm sure we'll get a little bit deeper, but just my first thoughts were, yeah, it was really like Derek to play off Derek. It was really cool to see kind of that perspective on it, obviously, cause we didn't live through it. And then also I was just thinking, I can, what if social media was during that era? That would have been wild. Yeah. That would have been wild, especially with uh, Dennis Rodman in the picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit as well. Um, <laughs> well, gentlemen, so, you know, and and, and much like you two, I, I can totally agree with both of you there. Uh, me, myself, I, I was not, I was, I was around, but I wasn't around watching, you know, growing up. I'm like you guys, millennial. So it's like, for me, it, you know, I grew up as a, a fan of the Bulls because that was that was the team, and I, I stuck with them even past that point, even with the years of when they were trash. So I had to grow up and watch the trash years, into the years of you know the last time we were relevant with Rose and all of them, and you know, and I, I still miss that team a lot, even though I know they're not near what this team was. That's my version of the Bulls right now until we get a better version, and uh, so to see that version of them, and and like you guys said, storylines to see what went down, the drama, and, and just imagining like what Parker was saying, what if social media was around at that time? How would think? Because we see the recent example with the Warriors. You know, we see social media and how that's played a part with the Warriors right now. And if the Warriors were probably in the 90s, that's up for you guys to decide. But I mean, look at Draymond. You know. Draymond was on a Zoom call two days ago talking about how Durant was a scrub and that Steph Curry could play defense. Exactly. It was like, yeah. you see? What are you doing? You see, exactly. So that, 
that that right there, fellas, tells me the 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 power of social media is is one standout thing uh, that this documentary shows is that if we had that at that time, the way we have it now, not just the Bulls team, but any team, because even with the Miami Heat, social media wasn't as powerful as it is now. Like it was it was on the cusp, but it wasn't what it is right now. And and it just goes to show with every major team that has dominated in a dynasty form, if social media were around, even even your your Celtics, Derek, even back then with your Celtics, like it, it just makes you wonder if social media went back to those days. Like you know you know Derek had a shit eating grin on his face when Michael <laughs> dropped sixty three, but they still didn't beat the Celtics. You know he you was know sitting what? on his couch like ha ha ha, Michael's the goat, but we still beat you. <laughs> you know you know what's funny. I knew the outcome of that of that game, and I was still worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> to be, and that's that, what's crazy about that is I don't even like. I didn't, first of all, I never knew, never knew Jordan was on minute restrictions his rookie year. Never knew that story. Yeah, that never part, knew that, that story. Part I didn't know either. And yeah. and I tell you, my favorite my favorite line from the first from the first episode was when he goes. You know, the owner is talking to him and it's like, you know, if he's trying to make an analogy because he's got a 10 percent chance to ruin his career. And he goes, you know, if I was to give you 10 pills and nine of them would heal with nine of them would cure your headache, but one of them would kill you. Would you uh, would you take it? And his answer was depends how bad the fucking headache is. I thought that was the best. <laughs> that's the most Michael Jordan best answer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, but, so- Man, so let's let's go ahead and, and just get into the uh, first set of questions here. Let's let's touch on Scottie Pippen while we're on it because that's actually my first question for you, gentlemen. Uh, going into which it touched on more so on the part two side of things, but why exactly do you guys think Scottie Pippen was so underpaid at that time? Because he wanted to take care of his family. If you look at go ahead, Parker. No, I, I was. I, I mean, I'm gonna. I was I was just about to say the same thing. I mean, I'll probably go in a little bit deeper, but totally a product of his of his uh, of his upbringing, um, for yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I'll let you dive deeper in that, but yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, because if you 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 remember he was talking about his his dad um, had a stroke and was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, and his older brother got injured in I think a wrestling accident and he was paralyzed. So, eighteen million over the course of what? Seven years. years. Seven years. Um, you're going to take that because you want to make sure you're able to take care of your family as soon as possible. But if you look at the breakdown of his contract from 87 to to the uh, final year in 97, 98, that final season with him in the, with the Chicago, his biggest contract from Chicago um, was the 92, 93 season. He got paid $3 million four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars wow yeah that's the most in one year that he got from chicago which is that's what crazy freaking, that's what steph curry makes in two months yeah <laughs> that's what steph curry makes in two games my bad that's- <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's, it's crazy it's crazy so yeah I, I think um i understood uh where he was coming from when he was saying you know i i gotta strike and, and get this money now um but this breakdown man it, well, it doesn't even make sense. The final know, year, he got two million seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. The thing that the thing that really struck me was that 
Um, I think it's a product of a couple of things, but I think, like you said, the first and foremost was was his family. But the thing that I really like when they asked him, Hey, why did you take that contract? It didn't seem like, I mean, I'm sure he regret, he regrets it now looking back and if he could go back in time, but he didn't seem very remorse or not remorse. Cause it's not really not the right term, but he didn't seem like, yeah. like he felt like, I feel like if, if he were to go back in time and, and, and do, he would have done it again because in the fact that like he knew, Hey, first of all, he was from bum hell, Arkansas, didn't know, you know, never seen, I mean, much less probably $50,000, not 18 million. And so I just think that, uh, number one, family was important to him. He wanted to take care of his family. Um, and I just think, like I said, it's family for sure. I mean, a product of, of his upbringing. I think number two, you're thinking about um, the NBA NBA cap. I mean, obviously the cap had gone up tremendously. I also think that in that span of, of, um, of kind of when he first got into the league and then literally probably three years later, you're talking about – and. Um, side note, because I'm going to talk about David Stern. I thought it was super weird seeing him on the uh, yeah on the thing, but but David Stern has did a tremendous job of making and the the NBA is really the only league like this making the players have p- the power and yeah. you started to see that to actually be the face yeah and you started to see that from going into the 90s and i think that's when you know let's say i mean if scotty came in his rookie season in 90-91 there's no way he signs that deal but right seeing players start to gain power you're starting you know i mean david stern knew hey these are the faces of the league let's flash them and let them have the power and then the cap started to go up and salary started to go up so i think it's you know one you have a family upbringing too. You have the time period as far as the league was just starting to, to figure out, Hey, you know, we can make this much money if we do this with these people and the players have power and, and people like that. And we're going to make our, we're going to make our stars superstars on a, on a broader spectrum. Um, and yeah. we didn't really see that until, I mean, and like, it sucks for Scotty cause he came right on the cusp of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, um, cause you remember in the eighties, that's when, when Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, you know, well, they were having their they, battles. That's when, so, like, when David Stern, Bird and Magic were the were David a uh, freaking light bulb went off, and he said, "I got a, I got these are who I, these two guys are are who I'm marketing." Yeah. And so, and then you know, and then you get to the late '80s, and then that that whole campaign's kicked into gear, and then you start to realize, and now, I mean, look at us now. The NBA is full of, like, don't get me wrong, I'm football over basketball any day of the week. But the NBA mm-hmm. is the best league, professional league, hands down. And David Stern and Adam Silver are the best commissioners that, you know, people had things to say about David Stern. But what he did for the sport and his time period, looking, I mean, yeah. now looking back and I'm like, oh, he could have done this. He could have done that for what, what for what he did in the time period that he was in. Absolutely extraordinary. And Adam Silver is just taking the torch and ran with it as well. So kudos to yeah. them. No, I agree with that. So. That's kind of what's, what's your thoughts, Dwayne? Honestly, I have to agree. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, as a fan of the Bulls, of course, as you know, it is a crime to see that he uh, really was just so underrated in so many things. I mean, we saw the categories and the numbers of what he was leading in and, and the things of just like when you look at today and how to get the, today's game really operates. Literally, we know he would have been completely stupid paid right now. 
in today's oh my league. Gosh, you, sh- oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and it, it's it's crazy Especially to see for the numbers he was putting up. Hassan yeah. Whiteside's making $27 million a year. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside. Chandler Parsons is making $26 million a year. Uh, I haven't seen this guy win three. Start on Chandler Parsons, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Being a Memphis Grizzly fan as well, I can definitely tell about that one. Like, Bro, That's Parsons. still a crime. Chandler Parsons was raw on the Rockets, though, y'all. That was the he value was. fact. He was, yeah. yeah, he was, yeah, he he fooled all right. He, he yeah, he he was a system guy in a rocket system that well, did not live up. Shoot, I I don't I don't blame him for signing the contract. That's, that's people throw money at these guys like it it's nothing. Like you said, you yeah. know, it's a it's a it's a crime that Pippen got. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a crime. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure the man does well for himself to this day, but it's just like, man, if you look at the that just goes to show. The difference in the eras of just yes, it was more physical and more hard hitting. The rules weren't as you know uh, soft as they say they are today. But like, man, the pay rate was just crazy, and how they were just getting done back then compared to now. It's just like anybody's getting paid now. Like being a bench player today gets you a lot more wonders than it probably did in the '90s and the '80s, man. It's crazy. Shoot, I would gladly. Be on the bench right now. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Oh, gladly. <laughs> Dude, me too. Don't even me put too, me in the yeah. game. Just give me, give me that vet minimum. We rocking, yeah. bro. Yeah, we rocking. A vet minimum. <laughs> That's all you need. Put me on the practice yeah. squad, baby. I'm good. Whatever. Uh, I'm gonna play for the freaking Rio Val Vio Grande Vipers, whatever the G League. Shit, yeah, yeah. What? Come on, put us on the G League team, baby. Sign us. We'll That's, do it. The thing, though, I will say though, and just kind of talking. I know we're probably we might be getting out of Scotty, but I want to say this. I honestly believe that Scotty Pippen is probably the most underrated NBA player of all time. I was gonna get to that. I, I would say. Yeah. I would say. I would say top three. I mean. The thing, I mean, I'm curious to know your top three. We don't have to d- deep dive on that. But I think that Scottie Pippen would have been the best player on any other team, hands down. And you, I mean, you heard Rodman say, even oh. when Michael left to go play baseball, he was the best player in the league. And I think I think Rodman, to, I'm sorry, I think Pippen to me, even though P- people are going to say, oh, yeah, easily top 50. To me, he's easily top 25, pushing top 10. To, I mean, the way he played both sides of the ball. how you look at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the the first two people that come to mind for me are Pippen and Hakeem. I think Hakeem's a top three player of all time, top five player, easy, and no one gives him respect. But we won't get into that. But <laughs> <laughs> but Scotty for sure, definitely. I, th- I think I think if if we ever would have gotten to see like if Jordan didn't take those that time off, I think we would have gotten to see how appreciated Hakeem Olajuwon really is if him and Jordan would have had a finals battle. Correct. No. I agree because I uh, the Bulls fans will say. I mean, they maybe have gotten one, but the Rockets would have would have beat them one of those years. I've said yeah. they didn't have Robin yet, and they couldn't have handled they couldn't have handled Akeem and Vernon Maxwell, and and that team was that team was good. Hey, I mean, yeah. Akeem Akeem manhandled Shaq, so if he can manhandle Shaq, there's no way. Even as a as a legit Bulls fan, Carter Wright, Rodman. Grant, you name it. I just don't know if they would have been able to hold the dream, man. There's just I don't know, you know. But because of Jordan, 
it would have canceled out a little bit. So I definitely felt like, like you said, I agree with that, Parker. I feel like Jordan would have gotten one and then it had been just like the Lakers Celtics rivalry with, uh, you know, Paul Pierce and Kobe, you know how Paul Pierce and them, they got theirs. And then when it turned around and it took a year, you know, it took a year because, you know, Boston couldn't get there, you know, and Kobe was like, nah, Nah, well, I didn't want Orlando. I want Boston. And when he got yeah. Boston, what happened? <laughs> exactly. It was one and one at that point. So that's that's I mean, what I feel like. Into, we would have we would have won that second one, you know, had injuries not played a factor. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. It's okay. It's all right. We, we it is what it is. I mean, is we lost to Kobe, so you know, it's all right. <laughs> I understand. So, gentlemen, uh, let's 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 talk into the next question I have for you guys here. Uh, so, how much credit and or blame does Jerry Krause deserve for the formation of this Bulls team minus Michael Jordan, since that's the one player that he did not draft to this team? Mm. Or so, trade for, by the way. So, for me, I think Jerry Krause was, in, was as far it's it's. I'm trying to think of a way. Jerry Krause, first of all, and, you know, people are going to rag on Jerry Krause. And, yes, ultimately his demise was he let his ego get in the way. And that, as a general manager, you have to set that aside. You're not going to get – it's like you're like the offensive line lineman of basketball. You're never going to get the credit, but, yes, we know you're working hard. So you just set it all aside and don't be an asshole. The thing is, is that, yes, he didn't draft, he didn't draft Michael Jordan, which ultimately is the only reason the Bulls have – six championships in those in that time period but the thing is or in at all it's the only six championships they have but but the thing is is that jerry did an excellent job of building that team around michael um in the same off season he got horace grant and scotty pippen yeah without those two guys and the fact that he recognized scotty's talent and traded it up at to get the seventh pick to take scotty in the first round of the NBA draft when guy when Buddy was at a division two or whatever school and was a walk on and, and that that takes number one, it takes balls. Number two, it takes skills. Number I mean, you you know what you're doing when you do that. So yeah. um and then Horace Granton, I mean, you gotta think about it. Obviously it was a different time period and but at the same time, you know, Michael was never going to be able to play, even if, I mean, Michael never was going to be the time, guy to team up with All-Stars anyway, but he knew, Jerry put the right guys with Michael where he knew, hey, you know, this guy's not going to damn it. You know, Michael's not going to give up the ball. If Who you want shooting the shot, you know, Scotty or Michael, you're going to pick Michael every time, you know, and it's not like today's era where you can put multiple All-Stars together because that wasn't going to work with Michael. So you had Scottie Pippen, who was very selfless, Horace Grant, who knew his role, guys who knew the roles but were excellent players. And that takes, as a GM, it, I mean, I'm a Rockets fan, so it trust me, I know it takes it, it takes a lot to find. You, we go through a different roster every season trying to find somebody to freaking know their role. Um, so it's tough. Um, so, you know, obviously I think he, he probably would be considered the best GM – our top three GM of all time, if he just wouldn't let his ego get in the way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, especially when you think about, he was actually drafted by the Supersonics in '87. That that would have, I wonder how that franchise would have been 
So Pippen leading it. So they said they said Jerry Krause said that like two or three days before the draft, they already had had a trade mm-hmm. worked out with the Supersonics. And he said, right, right. So like if, if it didn't happen, though. but I don't think the Sonics would have selected Scottie Pippen because he was saying. Oh. He was saying that the reason he said we just told him, hey, we're gonna give you this for this pick, and at seven take Scotty for us. So the oh, super oh, science yeah, just like okay, okay. You okay. see what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, yeah, it still would have been yeah. crazy if they would have selected him, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Seattle was just like, okay, who are? I don't give a damn. Who's Scotty Pippen? I mean, they called him Scott Pippen. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think uh, Krause deserves credit. Um, of course, does deserves blame for for the demise of the team, but yeah, he deserves credit for for how far they went. I, I definitely believe that. You don't so, take that from him. So, if you did it in percentage, what would your percentage of credit and blame be for Jerry Krause? Like for the you're entire saying. Yeah. Throughout the entire, yes. So his entire GM run with this organization from building the team around Jordan to ultimately demising it, getting not, you know, signing that extension for Phil, uh, trading pieces away and letting pieces, you know, walk away. If you broke it down in a percentage, like X amount of percentage, I give him credit for the success and X amount I'm going to give him for the fact that this team could have accomplished so much more if his ego didn't get in the way. I would say 30% for success. Um, do I think he did a good job? Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, I know he's, he he said he didn't say it, but he said it. He said organizations win championships was the stupidest shit I ever heard in my life. But yeah. Um, so I'd say 30%. You know, um, I think ultimately... I mean, whether you, I mean, yes, it was a good job. He got lucky with Michael falling in his lap, and he also, no one thought Scotty was going to be that good. So he can say what he wants. I mean, he probably thought Scotty was going to be good, but not that good. Uh, and then the demise, believe it or not, I actually don't think he was that stupid for wanting to break up the team or not break up the team. This is my thoughts on it. I think that he should have let the team go until maybe probably one or two more seasons until they proved they couldn't win a championship. But Dennis was getting old. Scotty had major injury issues. So they probably had another year two max where they were actually being competitive. So I'd probably say as far as demise, I'd probably say he was 60, 70%. I don't think he's as much as you would as you would think. Just because I think that and in another year or so, they would have been done anyway. So, Ooh. maybe I, I might I might give the same numbers as well. But okay, I, there was one thing that that um, was said. I think it was in the second episode where they were talking about the uh, the end of everything, and um, you know Michael said that that Scotty was being selfish and not thinking about the team at that point. And I'm I, I'm having a hard time with that part of it because 
I believe Kraus had a lot to do with the demise of it, but if Scotty did get that surgery early on, they might have been able to be together a little longer anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that I think that whole thing is what really kind of like killed it. That, that so was you, the final straw. Did you agree with Michael or did you disagree with Michael for saying that? I disagreed in terms of saying that that um, that it was a selfish thing, but I understood where he was coming from. That's where I at think that it's point. Go ahead. I just it's a generational thing. If someone was to say yeah. that now, they'd be like, "What an asshole!" But back then, guys didn't think that way. Guys didn't think that right. way, and and especially Michael Jordan. Michael, if you would, I I mean, obviously Michael. Yes, he's made a lot of money, and I'm sure he doesn't want to give that money up now. But back in the day, if you would have told Michael, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll give you six championships, but I'm only going to pay you a million, two million bucks a year, Michael would have done it. I don't have any doubt about that. I don't think – at that point, I don't think Michael gave a shit yeah. about the money. Yeah. And that's I, why I don't think – yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, because you, you, you make up for it on, on... – the difference on endorsements and other things. Cause you remember at that point in time, you know, he, he did space jam the year prior. Um, and the whole, all the sneakers and everything, all that stuff was already there. So I don't, I don't know that money would have been a big issue for Mike. Um, especially around that point in time. I, so I kind of wonder like, like would he have been okay with taking a pay cut to get Scotty more? I, I fully believe from my perspective now, they might have done a great job directing this thing and just tricked me. I think, Michael, if you said, Michael, give up the endorsement. If, if I said, if you said to Michael Jordan in a hypothetical world, hey, you can have six championships, but you can only make a million bucks a year. Or you can have, you know, $70 million, but never have a championship. Mike would take the six championships. Yeah, because his competitiveness. Most That's what I'm saying. So to him, yeah. it wasn't a money thing. He's like, hey, to him, he's thinking, two million. You're making two million dollars. Suck it up and go play. We're here to win championships. That's a. I don't think like that's how I like. I get that it. Was his, now, you know what I mean? Yeah, that that was his mindset. But remember, they were saying that he was. I think he was asking for like thirty-four million for his contract per year. Um, which that's what I'm. That's that's the part that I'm trying to get at. Like, do you think? Jordan would have been okay with taking less, like let's say twenty five like to twenty eight a year, like a Tom Brady, like yeah. how he took, like yeah. how Tom Brady kind of he Tom Brady knew that he'd be able to get more weapons around him if he took a pay cut. He take a pay cut, yeah. Do you think Jordan would have would have done that for for Scotty so that they could have played maybe another maybe Scotty but nobody else? Okay, mm. I agree with that. Maybe somebody but nobody else. Just because, in Mike's mind, and especially that season and going, especially finding out later in the season, I think, because they get into the fact that they're starting to get into it, into it, into this next episode where they're saying, you know, you know, they were struggling without Scotty. And, right, and, right. And, but I just think that he would have done it for nobody else. Because in Mike's mind, I mean, especially in those seasons, you know, you can, he's, he's carrying the team on his back essentially, especially when Scotty's gone. So I think, yeah, and I think he has a more of a pre, he has a better appreciation of Scotty missing those first couple months. So I think, I think it depends on the time, but I also think there's nobody else he'd take a pickup for except Scotty Pippen. And so why do you think he didn't do it? 
why do I think he didn't take a pay cut? Yeah. I didn't I didn't even know I don't even know the I didn't even know he renegotiated a contract or re, or didn't, but I think that he probably didn't take a pay cut because I think Jerry Krause had laid those terms out anyway and he knew this was gonna be the last season. So why take a pay yeah. cut? Why not bank on the last year of your contract when you're gonna be when this team's gonna be broken up anyway? If you're guaranteed a one million dollar contract for thirty four million dollars, you take the money. You've already won five championships and you know your GM GM's an asshole and isn't gonna bring you back next year. So take the money and run. So Yeah. And I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So let's transition then and let's transition here because We'll get back to Scotty and the injury situation and get your thoughts on that a little bit sooner. But let's go over to the coaching side of things. Was it smart of the Bulls organization to let go of Phil Jackson so easily? As we saw with the one-year extension and just announcing that, hey, that's his last year with us. Do you guys honestly feel in your minds that it was smart of them to let Phil go so quickly? Mm-mm. No, <laughs> no, because that that was that was obviously the guy that was glue to that that team. You know, Michael wanted to play for him. Scotty obviously wanted to play for him. I don't think anybody on that that roster actually had an issue with with uh, Phil Jackson. So, I I personally think it was a mistake. Let me just say I this about Phil Jackson. So the Phil Jackson I remember is the dopey-ass GM, our president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks. Let me tell you something. My man's had some, my man's had some drip back in the day. Oh, he was like, holy shit. And first of all, is it not the most predictable thing you ever saw Phil Jackson have a damn Zen garden on his desk? I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I was yeah. like, I literally thought to myself, I was like, Damn, my boy Phil got some drip with the damn suspension just walking in. Yeah. But I will say this, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm pro player. I don't know if I would say anti-establishment. I think it's it's from the bottom up. I, the bottom up wins championships. So I don't necessarily think that players win championships. I don't necessarily think organizations win championships. I don't think coaches win championships. And I think that's – I think that – is for sure the case in professional leagues. Now, college, you can make a, a different case, but um, <clears throat> but f- I will say this: I I think from the bottom up, I'm talking GM, coach, players. That team had one or two more years. I think mm-hmm. that as as a coach, you 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 have a voice that only lasts so long especially in professional sports, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and people start to, you know, think they're, you know, especially in the bull situation. I mean, you know, you've dealt with people so long, you know, it's, it's just tiresome. They've heard your voice too long. So, I mean, yes, I think that every coach should have the opportunity to, and every player and every team should have the opportunity to especially reigning champions should have the opportunity to prove themselves until beaten so in the in the just a quick yes or no yes they they got rid of him too quickly but i don't i don't the way jerry Krause went about things completely wrong but i do think that long term he was thinking in the best interest of the team as far as hey he was right i mean the team really only had probably one or two years so 
yes and no to get more complicated, but short answer, yeah, they let him. I mean, some, you'd be kind of dumb to say that that they went, they let him go too soon because then he went to the Lakers and won with Kobe and Shaq and won another however many rings. So the man's got like what 11, 11 rings as a coach and two rings as a player. I mean, yeah. So yeah, you know, there's so, no deny that. So I have this question for you, Parker, based off of what you just mentioned about a voice and how long it's been there. So let's go to present day and let me ask then why do you think, I mean, what, look at coach Popovich and how long he's been with the Spurs. So are you based off of your statement? Are you saying coach Popovich has been with the Spurs for too long? Is it time to move on from coach pop? It is. Yeah, I think so. I think Greg Popovich is top three, top three, top five NBA coach of all time. But I think, Pop even knows it. Pop's considered retirement. And I think good coach, the best coaches know when their voice isn't being heard anymore. And I think he has a lot of respect for San Antonio. He has a lot of respect for his young players. I think he loves the game too much to step away right now. Um, I do think he'll probably step away from the Spurs within the next two years. Um, I mean, I think Pop is a great coach. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's done. Um, So... Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, because I think that the uh, Kawhi Leonard situation highlighted that. Mm. I, I I think it did. Yeah, and I mean, credit to Pop though, because to be honest with you, the landscape of the NBA has changed so much with coaches. I mean, oh, who's yeah. who respects their coach? I mean, if I was an NBA player, I don't know if I respect my coach. There's there's probably, I mean, there's probably maybe. Three to five NBA coaches that if they told me something, I'd listen if I was an NBA player. That's Greg Popovich, first and foremost. That's Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. That's um, Mike D'Antoni. I would mm-hmm. listen to Mike. That's, uh, believe it or not, one of the most underrated coaches in NBA history, in my opinion, Rick Carlisle. I think he's a, I think he's a genius, Dallas Mavericks yeah. coach. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Yeah, and 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 probably Eric Spolstra. I think Eric Spolstra yes. is a great coach. So thank you. Um, I mean, and other than that, I mean, think about it. Be real. Are you gonna if if Luke Walton or Ty Lue or uh, <laughs> Jason Kidd or oh let me re- let me let me rephrase my sentence. Mike Boonholzer is the most underrated NBA coach in the league right now. Mike Boonholzer is the best coach in the NBA right now. Uh, Derek, you look like the best overall coach. I know you're going to think it's Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens (laughs) is a great mind. Listen to me. Mike Boonholzer is the best coach in the NBA right now. I can see, I can see him ready to pop. I can tell by the (laughs) smile. He's ready to just go ahead. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree that he's top three. Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse is, and by the way, Nick Nurse is getting on that cusp of yeah. Because I thought I would okay, he had Kawhi, that. but but what he's done with Toronto this past season has been, and I mean, coaches are getting better though. I will say, I think there's no in between as far as you either respect a coach or you don't, and you see coaches kind of like there's there's a couple coaches that were the jury's out, and you don't really get to see what's in the locker room. And I think right now the two coaches that have earned my respect this year, Nick Nurse and Billy Donovan. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, what would you say about uh, Doc Rivers then? Because I think he's among that five. I would. I would. I would, I would so put him on that five. Doc, Doc. I think Doc. I think is one of the is a top ten NBA coach of all time. 
However, I think now Doc is I think Doc's role in LA is so much different than Doc's role yes. at, in Boston. And yeah, I don't see him I don't it see is. him. I see Doc as more of a manager than a coach. You That's know what fair. I mean? Doc That's has fair. Doc knows he has these guys and he doesn't have to develop them. And Boston, he took this young core and did amazing things with them and took them to championships. So I just I think Doc is you know, Doc's more GM presidential now. I know we're kind of getting off Michael so we can get back, but but that's but the, going back to Phil and Pop and all this stuff, I'm saying that back then in that era, players respected their coaches more. But at the same time, I think Phil was so Phil was so ahead of his time as far as uh, scheme in general. And also Phil was a Phil was probably when you break it down overall. Phil was probably one of the first honest players coaches just straight up, like, in my yeah. opinion, just had his, his players best interest in mind. And you can see that on the, on the, um, even we'll be able to see it in episodes three and four, kind of how Phil played a role, but you can see in the previews, Dennis Robbins, like asking Phil, Hey, I need a vacation. Scotty's been off and I've been working my ass off. And Phil's like, Hey Mike, uh, give, give Dennis 48 hours and let him go to Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. what coach would have done that in the '90s? They would have been like, "Fuck off, Dennis, yeah. go to work." Yeah. So I think did did he did he also allow him to uh, do stuff with the WWF at that point? Was that the '90s, '97 era? WCW. WCW. My yeah. bad. Well, and I think yeah. that's why, and I think that's why that this core worked because Phil knew how to manage crazy manage egos mm-hmm. and the only yes. reason he knew how to manage these people is because i think in their hearts they believed hey phil has my back yeah. like michael said he wasn't going to play for another coach other than phil jackson you know why because he knew phil had his back and i yeah. think i think phil knew how to connect to different people as far as he knew how he had to talk to dennis one way he knew how he had to talk to scotty one way he knew how to talk to michael one way he knew he had to talk to paxton kerr i mean and and so mm-hmm. kudos to him because I think I think Popovich is the same way I think so you yeah. know and I think I Popovich think that's looking- probably one of the I think that's probably one of the most underrated things about uh, uh, Phil Jackson is that he knew how to coach individual personalities to that's make what- it a success correct and and I think Phil was the first really NBA coach to think hey. I'm not going to force my players to be something that they aren't. I'm going to I'm going to coach and develop my players with what I have from them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so, good for him. So, based off before we bring it back as we're staying on subject with everything, yeah. I have this question on top of what you guys just talked on. Uh, given what you mentioned that Phil Jackson was underrated in, let me ask about these two coaches. 10, 15, maybe even 20 years from now, with the respective teams that they coached, will Eric Spolstra and Steve Kerr be remembered for the personalities that they had to handle? No. No. Spolstra might be, but Steve Kerr definitely won't be. I think uh, (laughs) – you guys are going to – people are going to hate me for saying this. I don't give a damn. Steve Kerr, most overrated coach of all time. Boom. Most definitely. Mm. Most definitely. No, Eric I, I agree with Bolster that. Eric Spolstra is very underrated, and I do think that um, Eric Spolstra – this is the thing. 
I'm not saying Eric Spoelstra is your great coach because he what he did with LeBron and, and Bosch and Wade. I'm th- I'm saying Eric Spoelstra is your great coach because what he's done after LeBron after them. and Bosch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at him now. There's no reason Miami should have been any type of good last year, and he took them to the playoffs and and they were competitive. And you look at the schemes. I mean, that team should have freaking never made the playoff. And and I know it's the East, but damn. I mean, he's done a great job. And 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 y'all know Pat Riley, who's one of the freaking geniuses of the freaking league. He wouldn't have keep some guy around if he didn't think so. But um, yeah. no, I don't think Steve Kerr. This is the thing. The modern NBA. I just to me, it's just. Yeah, it takes the right guys and, and all this stuff. But Steve Kerr, to me, fell into the perfect situation. I think Mark Jackson could have took those boys to a championship. I think Mark Jackson's probably a better coach. But I think Steve Kerr's probably evolved as a coach. I think Steve Kerr is still a good coach. However, I don't think Steve Kerr is – I don't even think – Steve Kerr, to me, is not even a top five, top eight coach in the league. I, I would agree with that. Because yeah. that was actually the reason why I was um, so excited to see the Warriors go through what they went through this season. Yes, because exactly. Because it allowed you to see what his coaching scheme could actually do. And yes. not, to say that he, not, not to say that he doesn't have the ability to coach, but to give him so much credit for the championships that they've won over the last two years is, is that, there's, nothing, there's nothing about that that I believe that's, that's deserving. Yes. Uh, let me tell you this. And Steve Kerr and Steph Curry better think two people that, uh, number one, I was waiting for this year because I felt that Steph Curry would get exposed and Steve Kerr would get exposed for two reasons. Steve Kerr wasn't good enough to coach with scrub players and maybe one or two all-stars. And number two, Steph Curry wasn't good enough to carry a team. I felt Steph was an excellent player. He's the best shooter of all time. But Steph is not somebody – his defense is ass, yes. and he gets bodied and bullied. And Steph, mm-hmm. yeah, Steph's game does not work without another all-star. Watch, all. watch him get double-teamed or trapped. He cannot get out of it, and jacking threes doesn't work. Can I offer something on this one? No, no, I'm just kidding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Seth might be... We're about to have a, a hot take right better, now. Just might be a little bit better in terms of building a team around holy shit Derek! look i got balls and i say some crazy <laughs> shit that's the, that's the hottest thing i've ever heard in my life bro uh-oh, well, <laughs> uh-oh. Now, i'm gonna tell you why i say that though i'm gonna tell you why i say that because seth can play defense he might not be able to play market smart level defense but he can play defense that steph can't play so I th- I think that his game is a little underrated just because of his name and because of the team that he's he's on. I but love- if you put Seth in Golden State in this type of environment, he might be able to do a little bit better than Steph. Well, I love on this team. Steph Curry fans, bro, they're funniest because like I even saw a situation where they were arguing with him and Michael Jordan stats, and I was thinking, bro, not the same category. Michael, yeah. Michael, I mean, every freaking play, Michael's nuts would have been dragged across your face. Like, like you don't <laughs> understand. Like, yeah. Michael, so I just, yeah. who knows? But, but no, to to answer yeah. your question, Kerr and 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 Eric, I don't think in a modern day NBA, there's any coach that will get the credit. It's such a players' league that you know, and the way it's going is players' league that that. 
coaches don't get as much credit anymore. And yeah, we respect the coaches, um, especially with like a young core, like a Brad Stevens, who was able to take the young core of the Celtics and do something special with them. Um, but like, you know, and Mike D'Antoni, who's been revolutionary, like if Mike D'Antoni was to win a championship, it would be, hey, you know, small ball. You know, I'm not saying it will, but mm-hmm. but like guys like Kerr who have four all-stars who have done really nothing special except jack up a bunch of threes because of the players he had. I mean, I feel like any coach would have done that. Mark Jackson would have done that. So that's why um, – and don't get me wrong, Spolstra's a great coach, but Spolstra had Bosch, Wade, and LeBron when he won some rings. So it's just – I mean – I don't know. That's my take. Yeah. Okay. Well, gentlemen. And, and le- let me just and let me just say this uh-huh. for everyone that's listening. No, I'm not saying that that Seth <laughs> is a better player than Steph Curry, because I, I know that's exactly where people are gonna go with this. Oh, okay. I just think that that there are there are skills that that Seth has that might be utilized better in this type of environment that's going on with Golden State right now than Steph does. That might be able to carry that team a little further than where Steph is by himself, by himself. Look, I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying make the with, promo, with make the promo, make the promo dare to saying that Steph, uh, that's, <laughs> that's Steph better. <laughs> you feel that cooking, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> it's getting spicy. It's getting spicy. It's cooking up, baby. That's how we do it on the time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, so, but I just want I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I want to make that well clear. Heard. Point is well heard, ladies and gentlemen. So, gentlemen, okay. So let's let me ask this question to stay on the Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause situation. Was it fair to put Michael Jordan in the center of choosing between the two, as we saw between Phil and and and, uh, and Jerry? Yes. Was it was it fair, uh, as we saw Jordan touch on the fact that, as you guys mentioned, he wanted and enjoyed playing for Phil, and when it was told, like, this was going to be his last season with the Bulls, you know, Jordan's going in that mindset of, okay, well, we're going to have to really tighten up and make sure we try to win this thing out then. And, but it seemed like, from what the documentary explained in these first two episodes, it seemed like they were trying to basically play tug of war with Jordan as in, yeah, this is our guy, but Jordan enjoys playing under Phil's in his system, but it seems like he enjoyed being a Chicago Bull, so it was like a tug of war battle. And I guess I'll even ask that question, a question on top of that question for you guys of if Kobe were in this situation, how do you think he would have reacted similar or differently to how Michael reacted in this situation? I think, one, it's a product of the time as far as, no, I mean, Michael should have gotten a Kobe and a and a, and a a Dirk type of last year. There's no way the Bulls should let him go. I don't care if Michael's on one leg, torn Achilles, and in a wheelchair. You let him finish his season, have a, have, a, have a tour. But the thing is, is, one, Jerry Krause was an ass. And two, this is just a different time period. I mean, if Michael would have played in the today's period and had done all these things for this team, they would have paid him forty million dollars a year to, to play seven minutes a game. I mean, who they like? I mean, I mean, look at Cuban. Cuban literally said, when Dirk, Dirk, uh, in his last year or two years, whenever he was renegotiating his contract, he said, hey, we're gonna overpay him. But guess what? He's done this for this city, and we don't care. And that's how. I mean. 
in today's NBA, that's how people are going to – and I think, um, I think, believe it or not, I know with all the trades and stuff like that, but I think stars in this league today want to stay their whole career in one city. Like, I don't – I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's a few. There's like, a few. Like, Steph Curry wants to stay in Golden State for the rest of his career. James Harden wants to stay in Houston for the rest of his career. You know? Um, Le- I mean, who knows what LeBron's going to do, but he's probably going to stay with the Lakers. I mean, but, like, you know, these – these Bradley Beal Bradley wants to stay in Washington. They want to get rid of him, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, and I think that – I mean, obviously they have to be proven all-stars, but I think once you become a proven all-star, the city wraps their – wraps their arms around you so tight that you feel a type of love that you're never going to feel in any city and you don't want to let go of that. And mm-hmm. I felt like Michael obviously had that with Chicago. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're in a situation where, you know, your GM is being an asshole. You're losing your coach. You're losing half your players. And, and Michael, Michael, I think it goes deeper in the fact that Michael wants to win everything and it's not just on the court. Michael wants to win the mental battles, the, the like the debates. And I think at that point it just became a battle between him and Jerry. And it was like, yeah, I want to stay in, I want to stay in Chicago, but if it means beating you, I will leave and I will leave the city. So, you know, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't know that Kobe would have done the exact same thing. Um, I think it was good that he had, uh, competent front office let's just say that um even though he did threaten to leave la um, well i just think that i think the kobe thing for sure but i think i think the gms and the coaches i don't think kobe had a strong relationship with them but kobe had something kobe had something with the buses that michael didn't have with the bulls owner yes Mm. yes and i I think that that relationship definitely uh uh helped with keeping uh kobe i think that definitely did i mean yeah, I you think look if, at, if michael had that type of relationship yeah that he would have stayed yeah Mike, michael lost respect for the owner and the gm the day they put him on minute restriction and that just yeah. michael's like oh, that yeah. michael michael's the type of guy to hold a grudge for 30 years i mean you see yeah he, he still hates isaiah thomas i mean and and <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is and the thing with that is is that like like if you look at it today if you have, I don't care who your who your coach is, who your GM is. If you have a good, if you're the star player and you have an amazing relationship with your owner, you're gonna stay with the team longer than you probably should. Look at Tom Brady. There, there's Bill Belichick wanted Tom Brady out three, four years ago and wanted to keep Garoppolo, and the only reason he stayed is because of Robert Kraft. Um, okay. So, and I think, I mean, Brady's freaking fifty now, and so of course Robert Kraft probably wasn't gonna fight that. But I'm just saying, like, like you look at relationships with owners and it's just, that's, I think that goes into account way deeper than you think. And obviously Dirk with Mark Cuban and, and Kobe with the buses and Brady with, with Robert Kraft. And I mean, it goes, it goes way deeper than that. And, and that's where I think owners can make a huge difference. And, and people and owners who are respected by the players, if you look at all the successful organizations, I mean, Probably ninety percent of them, their players love their owners. The Steelers, yeah. they love their yeah. owner. The Lakers, they love their owner. Um, so I think, I think that's the difference. Is Kobe with the buses versus versus Michael with Michael had a relationship with the city, but not the owner. 
Kobe yeah. had a relationship with the owner and the city. Yeah. And and I think I think the point you made about um the minutes restriction, I think that was definitely uh, a true factor. I mean, he said because it. he yeah, could yeah. could you imagine um being in that position to to win a game and with 30 seconds left on the clock and having to sit? I can't, but I think that's I, what may also made me laugh about it was is that that only Michael, right? Because NBA players today would have been like, screw it, I'll sit on the bench. Yes. Like, be real. Yes. That's yes. the difference, bro. Like, to me, like, there's no way. I don't care if they were up or not. Like, to me, like, LeBron's not arguing a seven-minute re- minute restriction in a regular season. He's saying, okay, thank you right. for seven minutes. Michael's saying, fuck you, let me play. I'm, you know, and I'm just – yeah. That's the difference. That's that's the difference from being, you, you know, one of the greatest players ever to being the greatest player ever. And I think it's yeah. a different time mentality. But that to me, like, I think that was one of the. That's where I was like, my goodness, this man really was the real deal. They had him on a seven minute restriction. He went out and balled out, and then literally right when they took him off a minute restriction, he dropped forty nine and sixty three in Madison or in Boston Garden. It's yeah. like, so. yeah. And he was all. They were also fighting for the eighth seed for the playoff spot with that 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 final game. Yeah, yeah, yeah and with, they were with that, with that restriction. playing that, that playing one of the best teams ever in NBA history. My man was putting up, carrying the team on his back. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like people want to be like all the LeBron fans want to be like, ooh, look, it's Danny Ainge, a goofy white guy guarding Michael. No, Robert, Bill Walton, <laughs> Parrish, Mikael, Burn. I don't give a shit what air they were in. These are great <laughs> players. And they were the one seed. Oh, yeah. Mike, I, Michael was on a team of scrubs. And the only player I know that was on that team was Charles Oakley. And Charles Oakley wasn't even Charles Oakley at that time. Like, Charles yes. Oakley didn't become Charles Oakley until he went to New York. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Do you think uh, they could have still won with Charles Oakley there? To be honest, I can't answer that question because I don't know enough about Oakley's game versus versus like I don't that's, that's the thing like I didn't grow up watching Oakley I don't know how I, Oakley like, I just know Oakley's a bully and he'll punch you if he's mad at you that's I, I, mean, I, I was good I was gonna say yeah. if, if if you're talking him and Rodman still on this team then yeah that would have been at least one heck of a team you don't want to mess with well, they yeah, yeah I mean yeah. they replaced him with Horace but I think Horace was selfless than Oakley I think Oakley at the end of the day, mm-hmm. still wanted to be not the man, but a man. And I don't think he would yeah. have been able to. I think when you start adding different personalities, I think Oakley's ego and temper starts to take control over anything. So kind of where I'm at with it. But I don't know his pl- playing style. I don't know. So Yeah. Okay. So, gentlemen, do you guys – Actually, let's let's go back to Scotty for a quick second here, and let's let's touch a little bit more on that injury really quickly. Um, you guys gave your thoughts a little earlier on what you felt about it, but as a whole, when you look at the situation, was it smart on Scotty Pippen's part to wait on the surgery for that ankle injury? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm interested to hear. I get you. why he did it. I get why he did it because. You're not being paid your value, and you don't want to go out and 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 mess yourself up in the begin in the first half of the season. 
you know, to come back and, and still end up hurting himself toward the end of the season. So I, I understand the reason why he did it. I don't blame him for doing it. I just, um, I don't know. I'm, I, I may have done the surgery right when I could do it and then just kind of like sit out to, you know, to, to try to force that point with the money situation. But, um, yeah, yeah but, I, but I don't know. It may have been a smart thing. The thing with the thing with that though, and I agree with you, and I was kind of thinking, I was thinking about that. This is the thing, Scotty. In today's terms, Scotty did the right thing. If you're looking back at it, because let me tell you why. If Scotty was to have the surgery and be healthy and sit out, do you know the shit he would have gotten in 1998 for doing that? Yeah. I mean, he would have gotten Especially destroyed. Yes, he would have gotten destroyed. He had yeah. no reason to sit out except for money, and Michael and everybody else in the league would have tore him up. Yeah. Because no, yeah. it wasn't a it was, and that's where I think, I mean, who knows? Maybe Scotty was a, a revolutionary in the fact that hey, I mean, Scotty did the modern day sit out as far as hey, mm-hmm. I'm worth this. You're not paying me this, so mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit. I'll take my, I'll do my surgery when yeah. I want to do my surgery. I'll do, you know. I'll rehab when I want to rehab, and I'll come back when I want to come back. Um, right. And I think Scotty deserves that. Now, now, the competitor in me and everything else in me says, you know, get your punk ass up and go play. But at the same time, he's won five championships with this this city. He's mm-hmm. extremely underpaid. And I think mm-hmm. like like my thing is is is. When you know, if you're Chicago, and I think this is the difference between owners and stuff like that, and I think a difference between a good owner and a bad owner. If you're Chicago, you, at that point, you don't give a shit about money. You say to yourself, yes, what you've done for this team in this city is, I can't, I couldn't pay you an amount. So whatever, you know, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a year, I'll give you two years, I'll, make, I'll give you thirty mil. Thank you for what you're doing for this city. Give your heart out in this one last season and just go. Um, so yeah, I think it stops. It starts from the top to the bottom. But you know, kudos to Scotty. And I'm not even really like that. Like I hate players who sit out, and I think that's a bunch of bullshit. And I like, and that's just the competitor to me. But I think yeah. if anyone was entitled to do that, like, don't get me wrong. If you're like, if you're some scrub who's never won a championship and you think you're worth this and that, like. I mean, I can't even think of one off the top of the head, but there's plenty of players that do that nowadays. And I'm, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you're a little bitch. Get up and go play. But if there's anyone who's ever, ever deserved to do this, it's Scottie Pippen. Like, you know what I yes. mean? Like yes. the most, yeah. like the, the the most underrated player in the league, the most underpaid player in the league. You know, the Robin to Batman, but on any other team, he'd be Batman. Like, mm-hmm. just give him his money. Like, don't be a stingy little asshole and pay the man who's won you championships you know so. yeah yeah I, I don't see how uh anyone in today's game could get away with doing something like that to a to uh to a player that they does would, that much for, for a team or, or even really for the league well you know if you saying? look at current if you look at contracts in the league players could players can sit out and lose money but current players couldn't neglect their in like health issues like if you look at current contracts the way they're set up if a player's not rehabbing correctly or taking care of the health issues that they could have taken care of in the offseason they're 
the the employer is not not uh, liable to pay them. Right. So right. I mean, who knows? Maybe Scott. Maybe there's a the reason it should be called the Scotty clause. Who knows? Maybe 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 these teams started putting these clauses in because because you know a you have the sit out clause and I'm able to cut your pay if you if you sit out, mm-hmm. but but then now then guys just started you know neglecting injuries and now they're like hey well then I'll just if you're neglecting your injuries and our team doctor saying you aren't doing the proper precautions then I won't pay you either. So. Yeah. So, yeah. are we seeing or have we seen an evolution amongst owners from that time period to today? Are they more player player friendly? Do they cater to the players a lot more in a in a more buddy buddy way versus back then? Or what's your take on that, guys? I think there's no yeah. in between. Derek, what do you yeah. think? There isn't. There is no in between. Uh, I think. But no, no, no. You go. I'm talking too much. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm bro, just bro, saying. Bro. I really don't think there's any in between. I think you're pro player, or you're just pro establishment, and you're an asshole. Like yeah. you look at the the best owners in the league, Mark Cuban. You look at um, you know Genie Bus. Uh, I mean Genie Bus is pro like. To me, Genie Bus is like pro LA, so it's like the fans love her, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at assholes of the league, James, James Dolan. Dolan. <laughs> look at, to be honest, I'm a huge Houston Rockets fan, and the biggest asshole in the next future, James Dolan, is Tillman Fertitta. Guy's an asshole. Guy's an asshole. The Rockets. I mean, and that's the thing. There's no in between. And the the thing about it is is I'm I cannot wait till. You know, I'm 50, 60, and I'm watching the NBA because because there's not going to be any owners like that. You're going to see these guys funnel out because people hate them. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, st- starting off, I mean, it started with the Clippers, with Donald Sterling. Get his ass out. Yeah. Um, Steve you know? Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, though. And Steve actually... Ballmer is a great owner. He's a great owner, he right? He's, great owner. Well. He's a great owner. And... I just, you know, and then 76ers, they got bought out by the guy who owns Fanatics. Young guy, mm-hmm. great owner. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't know all the owners in the league, so, you know, I can't act like I do and flex, but I'm just saying that, you so, know, this is the thing. You know who are the really good owners, and they're always pro-player and pro-city, and you know who the really bad owners are, and they're always pro-establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you know Toronto, I mean? Toronto's ownership was actually pretty good, too. Up there, Toronto, it? yeah, that's what I didn't know. There, I was gonna say Toronto. I didn't know their, I didn't know their, um, I didn't know their thing. But I think Toronto's like, like to me, it's just like stereotypical Canada. Like, thank you, thank you for bringing us championships. We'll throw you money anywhere. Like, you know, <laughs> maple syrup. And, <laughs> then, <laughs> then we got cities like Atlanta who don't really even have an owner. You know, it's just a bunch that's of card owners. That's the thing. Hey, I'm a break. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not a Hawks fan. I grew up, I grew up in Georgia. I do. I I used to go to Hawks games all the time. I like the Hawks. You know, I I root for them. But growing up, my team, the teams I used to watch were Josh Smith, Joe Johnson, Jamal Crawford, yeah. you know, Al Horford, those boys, um, and then Paul Millsap at later years. But and you know, I like the Hawks. But the thing I like, Atlanta could be one of the best sports cities ever, and they freaking blow it. The Braves are owned by some company that that you know, and 
think about it like the Braves could be the Braves has such a large audience because they're only the team of the South. But but like that's what I don't think that. And it's tough now because, you know, of course, teams are selling for billions. So it's like who what one sole entity can, you know, own this and that. And most of the time, the people who are able to afford these teams are pro establishment and anti, you know, it's such anti players, such assholes. All they care about is the money they're going to make. Which is not, you know, if you're in for it, if you're in it for the money, don't buy a sports team. That's the dumbest investment you'll ever make if you're trying to make money. You're not gonna make money. It's a hobby, okay? And yeah. I, people would understand that. <laughs> and it pisses off our yeah. sports fans. Like, you're not gonna make money from this team, okay? Unless you're the Lakers or the Knicks. And so stop being an asshole. This is a hobby for you. That's any sports team ever. Any professional yeah. sports team ever. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make money when you win a Super Bowl. That's it. Our our finals. Our it's just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. These owners, man. I freaking hate owners. <laughs> Shout out to Green Bay. Wait, you know the city. No, I'm just playing. But there you go. There you go. Look. <laughs> okay, fellas. So we got about two more questions, and uh, we'll get ready to wrap this baby on up. So what I want to ask you guys here is, are there any thoughts? To you guys, do you feel like there was anything whatsoever the documentary didn't want to tell you about the real relationship between Krauss and Phil Jackson? I have a feel like. Well, I, I want to say one thing. Do you feel like there was? I said, do you feel like there was anything the documentary didn't want to tell you about okay. the real relationship between the real life relationship between Krauss and Jackson? Derricka. I want you to completely answer this, but I want to give out one stat that I thought was extremely good. No. I know. I know I'm talking so much, guys. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's, You're it's good, brother. Go ahead. I'm good. Go with it. But go this is the thing. I'm, I don't know. This documentary was amazing to me, and I was reading all kinds of different things about it, listening to interviews. The director of the documentary came on the Dan Lebitard show and was answering some questions. And he um, – this is a little bit different than just talking about the relationship of Phil Jackson versus Jerry Krause, but – um, the thing is, is that um, I, the director said Michael had complete control over all, all of this. If he didn't want it in it, he, it wouldn't have been in it. And he said Michael never made them cut out one thing. Never made them cut out one thing. He said he would give notes. He would give notes. He would say, hey, you know, put make more emphasis on this because this was really important that year. Or, you know – you know, this is that, and you know, would write notes and watch film, like, kind of like a football player or a basketball player watch film. But he never said, hey, don't put this in there because it makes me look like an asshole. Or, hey, don't do this because it makes this person seem this way or makes me seem this way. And I thought, wow, like, that's insane. Um, but that's I also feel, wild. yeah, the director was like, yeah, Michael, Michael would give me notes. Michael was really involved. But if there was one, if there was something that Michael didn't want in the documentary, it wasn't going to be put in the documentary, and he never, he never made it, he never said one time, "Don't put it in the documentary." And I thought, wow. Hmm. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why I know Michael said he was afraid to seem like an asshole, but yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah. But I yeah, thought that as, was as an editor. I'm as editor. I'm thinking about that. That doesn't even you don't even hear. Yeah. People I mean, obviously, that, they, they that's... film and stuff like that, but but like when yeah. Michael had Michael reviewed every single footage they were putting in the ESPN documentary, and he never yeah. once said take that out. I don't like that. 
That's so, that's wild. And you that's wild. do you know like what player would do that now? Especially nowadays when people try to portray people like who they are and, and so I just thought that was wild. But but that's why yeah, I, I you I were can't getting think of anyone doing that today. You were getting into they didn't cover Phil versus Jerry and I thought that was an interesting stat. But I thought I think that Jerry was an ass and I think the one thing that I probably I think the one thing that they've left out because of because of just they couldn't have put it in was I think they're doing and they're doing an injustice to not getting Jerry Krause's side of the view. Um, but they can't because he's dead. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think Phil is very PC about it. Yeah. And so I think that they tried to probably fish for that, but they could only get as much as they, uh, they, they you know, you're, you're, you know, they're working with a PC Phil and a dead Jerry Krause. I mean, what kind of information are you going to get? You know what I mean? Yeah. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, I think so far. I don't I don't feel like there's anything that they're hiding. I think so far from what I what I've been able to to um, get from it, they've been very open. Um, so I don't I don't think that they're hiding anything or trying to not uh, say anything or skirt around a certain subject. I think they're actually being more honest about this than I expected them to be. To be which which I, which I think makes it a hundred times better. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? No, like, the more vulnerable, the better. Like when I saw Jerry, I mean Michael calling Jerry short and fat, I was like, man, yeah. that's brutal. But the fact that they're showing that, good for them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I think this is I think this is very well done. ESPN oh, yeah. uh, uh, comes out with great documentaries all the time. Um, this has to be. We'll this see. has to be my favorite so far. From what I'm seeing, it's this two has episodes, to be my favorite. And I told you, it's the two most episodes in. Part. Yeah, yeah. This is this is going to be very interesting. The only thing compared that I wish... to what we've seen from the uh, O.J. Simpson one, I, I, right now I'm liking this one just a little bit more, and that nope. was very yeah. well done. The only thing I miss is I wish Jerry Krause was was alive. I would have loved to hear. Do you... I would have loved to heard his perspective. Well, well, do you do you think he would have been honest with what anything he said though? No, but I think you can snip out the bullshit. That's true. I also Fair. think that it, I also think it, I think it would have been two things. It would have been a you could sniff out the bullshit, and or b he would have been too old to give a shit and would have just told you the truth. You know, because there comes That's a true. certain age when you're just like when you just hit like eighty and you don't give a damn. You know what I mean? Like you just see yeah. eight year old men just yeah. walking out in the mail in their boxers. They don't give a shit. Who cares? They could die tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, okay, so the the final question regarding the first two parts of this awesome documentary is based off what you've seen so far, just off what you've seen so far, even though we still got eight episodes to go. If Jordan never retired for the two seasons that he did, and of course, the situation with Phil Jackson and not keeping him and everything, on potential alone, and what you guys have seen so far, how many championships could the Bulls have won in total? I'd say eight or nine. I would say it's not as many as people think. I would say seven. And here's my here's my reason. 
seven, maybe eight. I don't think the field, the NBA, um, was that strong in 98-99. So I think they could have probably popped off one more, but that would have been it. Uh, and like, and it would have taken everything out of Michael, Scotty, and Rodman, and they would have just been—they probably would have had maybe one more or two more years before they just were broken and couldn't even get on the court for 50 games a year. And I think they—they they could potentially have, probably have won one against the Rockets. I don't think they would have won both against the Rockets. I know we talked about about that earlier. So I think seven, maybe eight, but I also think, isn't that the reason that the Bulls? are considered so great because it's like what if like what championship team are we like what if there's no other Mm -hmm. championship team that if we're like what if they stay together they could have won this amount of rings you know what i mean because you see Mm -hmm. and i think that like believe it or not i mean yes it was stupid for jerry Krause to break up this team but i think when you look back at it i think that's what makes the bulls and michael jordan and all these other guys the greatest teams ever the great, you know, the, it, it adds on to the legend and to the myth as far as, you know, you know, like the Warriors, for instance. You know, what if the GM just broke up the whole team? You could have been like, oh, my God, Kevin Durant, Draymond, and, and Clay, they would have won 10 more rings, right? But but we're never going to say that because they weren't because Kevin Durant said, I don't want to play with you assholes. Like, and Draymond was like, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to play with you either. Get out me swamp. I mean, so it's just it's true. It's true. It's just like I think that that's what makes them the best team ever, and that's kind of like it adds to the legend. Is that like you think about it, like, like I think when you're talking about the epitome of like going out on top, you're talking about the Bulls, and it's like yeah, it's not like they broke up the team themselves, and I think that's what adds to the. I think that's why they're considered the goats. Michael's considered the goat because think about it. Let's say Michael goes. Let's say Michael goes. You know, to the finals in ninety four, ninety five, or ninety five and ninety six, right? And lose to the Rockets. Then people can't say, "Oh, well, Michael's undefeated in the finals." And then LeBron has a better argument, right? Or let's say he goes and plays in 99 and he loses to whoever. I don't. You like? I get what you're saying, but look, I know how LeBron's fans are, and and yeah, look, yeah. Reason doesn't work with them. Okay, so I, I'm yeah, just I saying. I know, I know. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that you look at you look at those things and you think that just adds to the legend. Because let's say Michael even has one loss in the finals. Let's say he has two. Then you're thinking, okay, well, you know, Bill Russell has ten rings. LeBron, you know, took, you know, whoever and bum hell nowhere and is, you know third season to the the finals so i think that's why i think believe it or not i think the reason that michael repeated a second three repeated a second time is because he took a break off from baseball and i think the reason that that the bulls are considered the greatest dynasty slash team ever is because michael's break from baseball and because they they went out on top and as a competitor, I think, hey, as a as a player, I think, give me the chance to continue to fight. But as a fan, I'm thinking, who went out on top? You know what I mean? Like, you think about players who have just gone out on top. Mm-hmm. I think 
maybe one one other player, and that's Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis ended with the Super Bowl. But think about Manning. Manning won a Super Bowl, but man, he looked like shit and had a broken neck and yeah. threw eight interceptions. Tom Brady, he could have gotten on top, but now he's in Tampa Bay, and I'm probably sure they're going to go eight and eight, and I think the Patriots will have a better season than them. So that's a hot take, by the way. But listen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you feel that, people? It's cooking again. It's but cooking again. Oh, but that's man. why I know I'm going on a rant here, but I think that, believe it or not, I think that as far as the legacy of the Bulls and the legacy of Michael Jordan, Jerry Krause was good for those two things. Kind of crazy to think about. That is very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So when we talk about how many rings they could have gotten, we are including those two years that he went to play baseball, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. The moment this entire team was formed, to the end of it. You were including those in your eight or nine, right? Because if you thought yes. Jordan was going to yes, ring yes, in 2000, yes, yes. 2001, no, I was no, 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 Shaq and Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Shaq, Kobe, nah. Iverson, you name it. Nah. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Nah, you know what I thought about the other day? Is Robin was on that Lakers team in 99 but left. Do you realize if he would have stayed for 2000, 2001? Whoa, hold on. He was. Yep, he was. That's wild. He was. <laughs> I mean, he oh, wasn't good. Man. He wasn't so good, no. If you look at the team, they wouldn't have won. Yeah. Pippen that went, makes sense. Pippen had, Pippen had two broke knees and went to Houston and played with Barkley and Olajuwon. And by that time, Olajuwon was getting there. Pippen was the guard already there. And Barkley, Barkley was getting there as well. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so... And then Rodman went to the Lakers, couldn't even make the Lakers for one more one more year as a role player with Kobe and Shaq. It's just yeah, no, that's been. a I think that's a fair now, argument. I'm glad you guys bring that up right quick because that 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 leads me to wonder with this with you guys. Is there a difference? Is that the difference between now and then? That back then when quote unquote super teams formed, it was when they were old and broken at this point. Versus now, where they're kind of doing it in their primes, would you guys say? Well, because you know, LeBron fans will try to some LeBron fans, and I, I've known some personally that say, Oh, super teams were around all years, not just recent, they've been around since the days of Derek Celtics back when they were winning, winning. <laughs> that was a super team, you know, which they should have formed, they should have formulated three years prior to that, too, but you know. Yeah, that would have been scary for the league had that happened. Um, <laughs> I, I, the super, this, this. I mean, what are your thoughts on super, like super teams, Derek? I mean, I think it's such a loaded question. Okay, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of super teams when they're built, not when they're formed. Correct. I, I, I like, I love the process of building. So for me, I have more respect when you have like a Celtics team that was able to build. You have a Lakers team that was able to build. You have a, a Warriors team that was able to build. Um, you know, I, I I I see the 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 fascination of being able to just put people together and 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 do it like that. But I think when you, when you build the teams, um, 
you're making trades and 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 drafting guys and and putting GMs in the right spots and co- the right coach, like that that process of building to me is what makes that championship just so much sweeter. Not to say that the ones like like LeBron's championships aren't don't don't mean anything. I, I would never disrespect those uh, those players like that, but I just I, I love the process of the build. It, it just it 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 adds just a little more to the championship than just forming guys together. Well, I think I think one you're looking at. I think that all stars are more. I mean, one guy you have a guy who has one good year and people think he's a star. So I think mm-hmm. I think this, the the term super team is kind of loaded in the fact that like you know like to me the Celtics aren't a super team but yes they have Jalen Brown and they have Gordon Hayward and they have you know even last year with Al Horford and yes those are great players and 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 they're all of them are all stars but like to me that's not a super team but I think it's also like you said I respect the draft process like. To be honest, I didn't like the Warriors but I, because I was a Rockets fan, but I didn't have a problem with the Warriors because, hey, you know what? They drafted Draymond. They drafted Clay. They drafted Steph, and they built this team. Now, did I, and, they, and Harrison Barnes. But I did have a problem when Kevin Durant went over there. That I was, that, that was, a, that was the biggest little bullshit I ever saw in my life. And I stand by this, the, super teams, the super team thing, but this is the thing. You know, the, the league is so talented that you're not going to have you're going to have guys that are playing on and and i think it depends on your definition of super team as well to me a super team is at least three all-stars pushing four uh and i mean i mean you think about it now i mean to have two all-stars on a team nowadays is nothing you know what i mean so like you can't consider that i mean you know 50% 50% of the league has two all-stars on a team. Maybe more. I mean, if you look back, I don't even know the stats, but like, but like, you know, I just think that, and, and you're looking at salary cap and you're looking at this and you're looking at that and you're looking at how much players, how much money players make and how much more money matters to these people. So I think you're looking at, you know, it, this is the thing. I think depending on the salary cap, super teams are about to come to an all time high and I think that obviously the talent that that the like that the younger generation has coming into the league, you're looking at guys who are you know 18 years old ready to ball, um, yeah, you know, and and you look at you know for example, um, what the fuck can I think of his name? Oh my gosh, dude, I just draw a blank and I feel so stupid. Light skin kid from the Celtics. Um. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Why am I, dude? Yes. I'm the biggest dumbass ever. I know who Jason Tatum is for people, but I'm saying Tatum. You know, Tatum was at Duke. Tatum was a great yeah. player. You know, and yeah. Tatum and and Tatum got in the league, automatically proved himself. But it took him two to three years, and now look at him. He's going to be probably, you know, he's considered, you know, top three player under 25. So, um, you know, I just think that super teams are going to be either super teams are going to die off because of salary cap because players are going to want too much money, but I don't feel like that's going to happen. I feel like NBA is going to continue to raise their salary cap that players are going to, you know, yeah, the cap is going to continue to go up. And I just, yeah. I don't, I feel like it's like the economy. Like 
one of these days that's just, just going to have to hit a peak and hit a trough. Like we're about to yeah. hit a recession. So young boys, get your money while you can. Cause I swear to you, there's no reason Hassan Whiteside and Chandler Parsons should be making over $25 million a year. That is fucking wild. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't make sense at all. It's true. No. It's true. So, it's no, true. I agree with that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that definitely does it for this edition of Sideline Guys. I don't know about y'all, but man, this was very, very hot. So sizzling hot. Hot takes, lots of drama. And uh, hey, make sure you write your reviews. Okay. Subscribe. Let us know how you feel, what your thoughts are on these first two episodes. We'll be back when episodes three and four air this weekend. So, gentlemen, by all means, let the world know where they can follow you and uh, possibly even debate you if they want, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> well, you know, Twitter at Parker Gailey, Instagram at Parker Gailey, G-A-I-L-E-Y. Yes, I know. I heard all the middle school jokes. It's all good, folks. You can say what you want. On Facebook, y'all know where I'm at. You know I'm out here debating all y'all. I know y'all hate me. It's all good. But guess what? I ain't faced. Because guess what? Steph Curry's overrated. James Harden's great. And Michael Jordan's the GOAT. That's how it is, y'all. All right. All right. You heard it there. That's the new age Skip Bayless, ladies and gentlemen. The new diabolical hater, if you want to dub him that way. But that is, Brother Derek, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Oh, man. Uh, Derek underscore OTS. Uh, and also, I uh, run the uh, OTS um, social media pages as well. So, OTS Guys, um, at OTS Guys. And also, follows, uh, find us on OTSGuys.com. Um, but join join the, the On the Sidelines group. Uh, you'll be able to get the base just like this. <laughs> <laughs> Sparked by Parker and, and many others. <laughs> yeah, yes, you will indeed. not regret it. Jump, you know jump I'm there in just and, and join. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, uh, well, this is your favorite host, Dwayne Dickey, the Prince of Botch himself from the Life's of Botch podcast. Follow him at all things Life's of Botch podcast and come check us out over there, too, because uh, we'll keep you laughing, keep you entertained, and you just never know what you're going to get on that show. So, by all means, this has been a wonderful edition of Sideline, guys. Until next time, we out! Hold up. Let me plug one more thing. We ain't out you just yet. <laughs> Anything college football, please watch the Perennial Podcast, our Perennial Powerhouse Podcast, me and Tripp and Derek. We Derek is an awesome producer and, and, um, and is the man behind the magic. And me and Tripp talk all things college football, most specifically SEC. So, Check us out, uh, everything on OTS, and um, we'll be promoting on Twitter and, like I said, on the uh, the Facebook page. So check us out. All right, y'all, for real this time, we out of this thing, all right? See y'all next time now.